Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode of the Culp Option Podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, listen to up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, or give us something to discuss in our new post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Right, okay, after much uh, technical uh, difficulties, much technical, many technical difficulties even, mm-hmm. Richard. Many technical. Because th- what, what a lot of people don't know about podcasting software is if you don't use it for a while, it's like a car. Like it, you need to like really mm. like massage it and, and, and give it a few starts before it can finally get a humming again. And we've been here for about 20 minutes trying to get our, yeah, uh, it's, the um, old. F- the, Cause we've, this is the longest break we've ever taken from film mm. franchise fortnights it's been what like seven weeks and um just too long that how many franchises could we have covered in that time one one two no not well, even. well we would have normally no, taken two. like a four week break but we took a seven week right. break um right yes but and we're back and clearly someone up there or out there or down there doesn't want mm. us back because no. they've been They've been messing with our technical shit. The ghosts in the machines do mm. not want us. Maybe uh, we're yeah, being so- hacked by some kind of spy. Oh, very cool, Richard. <laughs> because this is, of course, film franchise Fortnite's on the Cold Pop Shop podcast, baby. We're back. We're back. And to celebrate, arguably, our 100th franchise, depending on what you consider to be a franchise or what you don't consider to be a franchise or our own admittedly inconsistent ruling on those <laughs> two, two decisions officially, um, this is our, we're about to cover our. 100th franchise and richard what a ride it's been uh yeah i'd never seen 100 franchises before this and now i have oh that's a good point yeah oh i've just you just now i can went to go take a sip of a an ice cold coca-cola zero um 440 mil can by the looks of it judging good because i'm familiar with your hand size i know um you know in relation to it and I yep. have a bunch of cokes in the fridge, and now I really want one. I can pad. I can pad for time if you want to go get one. Is that playing fate though? It took so long to get this working today. Will something go wrong in between you going to get a coke and coming back? I've got water, but I just like like a chump. Just drink the water, dude. I, I won't drink the coke anymore. I shouldn't have brought it into into the shop. You shouldn't have honey potted me like that. um speaking of honey that's a good segue that honey is a name as a character in this franchise all right fuck it let's just get into it we're doing james bond this is james bond season um for the next couple of months on film franchise fortnights um because we're you know we're like it's 
it's our arguably our 100th franchise so let's do the granddaddy of franchises you know possibly the reason franchises are as popular as they are today who's to say maybe two guys who have been doing a podcast about franchises for four years yeah i did suggest for our 007th franchise we should make it our 700th franchise and wait until we're covering our 700 franchise that's a good idea yeah, uh, but I guess now works as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, yeah. So we're going to be covering these in parts, and this is part one. So the 007 series, if you've inexplicably never heard of it, follows the suave, smooth, cool, calculated, alcoholic, violent, rapey British spy <laughs> James Bond and his many missions and adventures. The films are based off the characters and sometimes the novels created by Ian Fleming. Um, there have been 25 official films released in the franchise in the past 60 years with six actors stepping in to portray the character of Bond over these 25 official films and the different eras this the series has covered. Now, I'm using the word official very intentionally there because there are a few outliers which we will cover, um, which we'll talk about in this episode, uh, but not, we, we haven't watched them yet. Um, so, the most logical way then to split this series up into multiple episodes, Richard, is to tackle one actor's run at a time, right? So we're beginning with the Eon-produced series, specifically the six Sean Connery films, plus the lone George Lazenby film, which wouldn't make sense to cover in its own episode, and it interrupts Connery's run as the character anyway. So we'll get to that. So this is the Connery <laughs> Lazenby episode. Conlaz, as yes. it's abbreviated Con- the- on our um, mm. rundown of episodes. Yeah, the Conlaz, the Conlaz era. So between 1962, which is pretty, it's not the earliest we've gone back on film franchise fortnights, but it it is still pretty early. <laughs> it's, not, it's not the uh, earliest between- year. No. What else would I have meant? Well, 1962 implies the existence of a 1961. It does. That's true. <laughs> uh, well, between between 1962 and 1971, we had the following films. Dr. No, From Russia with Love, Goldfinger, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and Diamonds Are Forever. So we're going to go through these seven films um, sort of one at a time and sort of discuss... You know how it is. You know how the show works. So let's just jump in, Richard. And the first film we watched in the first film in this 25-long film long 25 long film franchise is dr no came out in 1962 directed by terence young what do you think it has on rotten tomatoes uh 80 something it's got 95 on rotten tomatoes (laughs) um a very a very well respected film uh and i'm trying to not burst out laughing because i know how much you and I respect these films, (laughs) as we'll eventually reveal. Uh, But before we get into that, can you please tell me what this movie is about? Uh, So this is, I believe, a MI6 agent is killed. Mm -hmm. uh, And so Bond is kind of assigned to to figure out what what went wrong. And he goes on a globetrotting adventure, specifically uh, Jamaica is a large part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And where he shacks up, he with globe a- trots all the way to Jamaica and doesn't go anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, he shacks up with a few women, says a few yep. problematic things, and then yep. um, defeats the evil Doctor No, who has metal hands. 
by mm-hmm. like drowning slash boiling him in like a um, irradiated water. Yeah, and uh, Doctor No's plot is to disrupt an early American space launch with a radio beam weapon. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> because so many okay let's just let the cat out of the bag these films these early james bond films are so fucking difficult to follow <laughs> like they they don't show you things they just tell you you're doing things so if maybe you're like i don't know slightly distracted and you come back and you're like all right what are we doing and it's Radio as they go along it gets a lot more simple and it's like this is the bad guy he's trying to stop him and it's like okay cool but they start out yeah, yeah, yeah um a little too complex for my tastes um or at least my attention span or my reading comprehension i guess is probably <laughs> what's being called into question here richard what did you think of dr no the one that started it all the classic uh so my experience with james bond growing up um <laughs> when i was a little boy <laughs> um <laughs> So I had seen, I, I remember they, they like re-released, I think before Skyfall, they re-released all of the James Bond movies on Blu-ray in like a uh, aesthetically pleasing kind of, you know, that they all looked the same. And I was like, I'm going to collect all of them. And so I got, I think I asked for some for Christmas or something like that. And I got Dr. No and Thunderball. And then I bought mm-hmm. on Her Majesty's Sick, no, uh, from Russia with Love as well. And so I was like, I'm going to build up a collection and have all of the Bond films because I liked the way they looked. And then also, and then when Skyfall came out on Blu-ray, it looked nothing like um, <laughs> the other ones. Yeah. Like, and then, uh, and obviously, there's going to be more, and then none of them going to look alike. But anyway, I watched Doctor No, and I was like, watching it when I was younger was a bit like, oh yeah, okay. I can see, I, I guess there's a charm to these older kind of films or whatever. And watching it now, I'm just like, man, I don't give a shit, eh? <laughs> like, yeah. just watching it, it's there just it so, it's they're, uh, convoluted and boring and insanely sexist and racist mm-hmm. to the point where it's like, not even funny or fun anymore. To, to like, the point where it's like, it I like, didn't realize even this was okay in the 60s. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was this bad. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that's like, because you watch an old movie and there's a, and there'll be like a, um, you know, a slightly problematic thing where you're like, uh, you know, he's being a little bit sexist or whatever. And you go, ha I wouldn't be able to get away with that now. And now it's just like, Oh my god! This is the whole film. Yeah, the, and it's tiring. Yeah. <laughs> it's boring. Yeah, it's boring, and it's. I think it's. It's also sad because it's like there's so many other things we can talk about um, with this franchise, uh, but at the same time, it also feels a little bit irresponsible to ignore what it what it is does that's that's really bad because then it's like we're minimizing it almost. But I mean, no one's asked us to do to do, to do this podcast we're doing this yeah. off our own off our own choice um but yeah guys there there you have it the the podcasting experts on film franchises and neither of us are that crazy about <laughs> james bond <laughs> but i'm ex- i i may not be that excited because i've seen them all before i should say that um and while I, and i never remember liking the connery ones even when i saw them when i was younger um but as much as i am kind of lukewarm on these movies i am still very excited to talk about them um and i thought that dr no i i weirdly find it kind of watchable like it's 
it's a weird beginning to the series like james bond going to jamaica feels like something you save for like maybe the third or fourth um, yeah, movie yeah, yeah. down the line you know he, he you, doesn't you need to globetrot in the first one yeah yeah exactly um yeah i agree so it's it's a weird start but i do find it relatively watchable compared to some of the other ones um but within the pantheon of bond movies this one is actually considered to be in the upper echelon yeah as i said 95 percent on ron tomatoes uh, but I think it might just be that because this one, along with From Russia With Love and especially Goldfinger, are some of like the most pioneering films of all time. And not not like not just within the Bond franchise, but the secret agent subgenre of film itself. Um, you know what I mean? Like this, this is one of those things where you watch and you're like, this is where this is from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and I do get why this is kind of one of the more beloved ones. Not only the fact that it started at all, but... I guess it's just kind of an easier watch than some of them. Um, yeah. yeah, it's very basic in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess a lot of the stuff I, I like have to say about it uh, relates to the entire franchise, and I don't want to waste it all just yet. So, sure. Uh, what other talking yeah, yeah. points have you got? Well, so I've got a list of things of here that here that this movie specifically pioneered. Um, so for those who haven't seen it, uh, it like Bond is Bond right off the bat. There's no growing pains with establishing his characterization. It's all there right from the get go. Uh, it also has a theatrical and maniacal villain who's got like a I want to say physical quirk, but is that offensive to, to call not having hands a physical quirk? Uh... You know, a a physical. Uh, and something notable about his his physicality, I guess. Um, uh, and he also lives in an underground, an underwater lair, actually. So uh, a lot, like, if you think of what Austin Powers was parodying, it's the first three James Bond movies. Yeah, yeah. Except that, yeah. when James Bond did it, it was serious. Yeah. Yeah, you watch, like, the finale of any of these films, and it's, like, a big lair and countless yeah. bad guys and... Yeah. yeah yeah exactly and lava pits um yeah so dr no was famously a low budget success success as well with a lot of grassroots filmmaking going on behind the scenes which had it not spawned one of the most successful franchises of all time could almost be considered like a humbling um you know pulled your bootstraps <laughs> you know kind of tale of <laughs> of go get him filmmaking but it kind of has grown to be something that uh completely eclipses that i think um so originally the film's producers whose names are harry saltzman and let's get this out of the way albert broccoli the only time i've ever heard broccoli used as a surname uh, which because i knew it was it was no broccoli, well, i know of the, but, i know of one other one which is the mm. the current producer um the pretty one of the producers of No Time to Die is called Barbara Broccoli. I think that's his daughter. Yeah, um, I imagine they're yeah, related. Yeah. <laughs> There's not just like <laughs> yeah. the only two people in the world with the last name Broccoli found each other and bonded over yeah. a love of producing. Imagine movies. that. Imagine that. Um, so yeah, let's get it out of the way. You're going to be hearing the word broccoli a lot in this series, <laughs> in this series of podcasts. Uh, yeah, so they originally wanted to adapt Thunderball as the first 007 film, which is the eighth novel of the series. But there was a legal dispute with it as the story of Thunderball was like originally written by Ian Fleming with a guy named Kevin McClory as like a failed screenplay like they were trying to translate it to film and they used right. Thunderball as that story. And then when that didn't work, Ian Fleming turned it into a novel. Um, and this dispute, I think, is how uh, many years later, Never Say Never Again, which is a non-Eon produced 
non-official Bond film. It's a remake of Thunderball. So I think that's that failed screenplay getting getting remade and that's how connery sean connery returned to play the character um for that movie which sounds like a rights holder nightmare but i guess because there's that loophole of of it already being a legal debacle anyway somehow they managed to to pull that off yeah um so speaking of james bond and sean connery casting him was somewhat of a monumental task um Actors such as Cary Grant, who I've heard of, Patrick <laughs> McGowan, who I've never heard of, were in talks. Um, a competition was held to find the best James Bond too, and it produced six finalists and an actual winner named Peter Anthony, but none were deemed good enough. It's It's been a long-standing rumor that Sean Connery won the competition. Um, he didn't, but he, he they found him and he came in to have a meeting with, with Saltzman and Broccoli, uh, and apparently he looked like shit. <laughs> apparently he was described as scruffy and you know like didn't look the part at all but he he impressed them with his attitude you know they were yeah, like well, this guy gets it he was also bald at the time wasn't mm, yeah, he yeah yeah because it's like he, a, well, yeah, balding, yeah. a famous thing that he, he went bald when he or he started balding when he's like 21 and then he was like early 30s when he was cast so in every single bond movie he's wearing a hairpiece yeah 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 um so the the director uh, Terence Young, after they they cast Connery as Bond, um, he he went about transforming the young scruffy Connery into the classy dapper spy we all know today. Quote: Introducing him to the high life, restaurants, casinos, and women of London. So it's all Terence Young's fault. Um, most james bond movies only take loose inspiration if any at all from the ian fleming source material and dr no was no exception an initial draft of the screenplay was rejected because the screenwriters had made dr no a monkey did he still have middle hands i don't know that wasn't written <laughs> i didn't couldn't find that information uh saltzman and broccoli rejected the idea and suggested the writers maybe try to make the character closer to how he's portrayed in the novel i.e a human um can you imagine dr no if he, if he was a monkey and that's this that's like that's the um that's the realism threshold they begin this massive yeah, franchise yeah, yeah. with. <laughs> we have, what, it's, like, yeah, over 50 years of content based off of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but some things that weren't kept over from the original novel, uh, Bond fights a giant squid in it, in Dr. No, the book. Huh. Um, and instead of falling, falling into a vat of radioactive boiling water, Dr. No dies by being buried in batshit. Wow. Uh, or gu- guano as as it's yeah. known in high culture <laughs> yeah imagine yeah. if they'd kept those elements but also like those elements feel more in line with dr no being a monkey like him fighting a giant squid and stuff yeah imagine uh, like every fucking retrospective review would be like uh re- revisiting dr no it's set 50 and it's batshit crazy pun intended <laughs> yeah it's 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 a total monkey house it's a to- it's, it's gone it's, ape, it's a monkey you know? bone <laughs> i can't oh i cannot like i'm picturing like a like dunstan checks in like it's an actual like chimpanzee yeah, yeah. that they've trained and it's <laughs> like oh man and like imagine if the like daniel craig bond movies were still the, exactly the same yeah. but you trace its origins back to dr no <laughs> who was originally a monkey 
<laughs> yeah, and and they'd still be Rami Malek could be still fielding questions about like, are you playing the monkey from Doctor No? Oh, very good. So the Bond girl, the first, she's not the first woman he has sex with. Uh, she's the third woman he has sex with in the <laughs> film. Uh, but the official first official Bond girl is named Honey Ryder. Uh, who was played by Swiss actress Ursula Andrus, but was dubbed over by Nikki Van Duzeel and the when she's singing Underneath the Mango Tree, Mahaniami. It's a woman named Diana Coupland, uh, because apparently Ursula Andrus's accent was indecipherable. <laughs> so they dubbed her over. Um, and the weirdest piece of trivia about uh, Honey Ryder or Ursula Andrus is that she later starred in the other non-official James Bond movie, the 1967 original Casino Royale adaptation, where she portrayed Vesper, who's Eva Green's character from the 2006 version. Very cool. Um, Very cool. Yeah, the the bane of the uh, of the of Doctor No with the indecipherable so? voice. Like Bane oh, right, specifically yes. from The Dark Knight yeah. Rises, not the right, expression. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think Honey Rider is such a strangely integrated character into this movie. Because like every other James Bond movie, the female lead is like another spy or like a mark or an accomplice or like a MacGuffin. But in this, she just happens to be hanging out on Dr. No's beach and Bond just stumbles across her and she's like, yeah, I'll come along. It's so weird. (laughs) (laughs) She's not like narratively justified to be there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, any more thoughts on Doctor No before we try to try to move through these? Uh, no, let's 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 uh, keep this. Ch- oh, there's the Coke again. Oh. I tried to hide it from you. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's keep this uh, train a choo choo chewing. A choo choo chewing. All right. Well, it choo choo chewed all the way into the next year, 1963, with from Russia with love. Can you do a Sean Connery impression from Russia with love? From Russia with love. From Russia with love. Uh, this was also directed by Terence Young, and uh, it got the same Rotten Tomatoes score. Can you remember what that is? Ninety five. 95 and richard what is from russia with love about uh so this time his uh globe trotting spiness <laughs> takes him to russia uh yes and uh so this is about part uh, the criminal organization specter um what revenge against bond and yeah. for killing Dr. Cause, no. Cause Dr. no was a member of specter yeah but specter hasn't like officially been introduced at this point kind of they're talked yeah, about yeah, but they're yeah. not like well i guess we're not shown blofeld you're you're shown you're not shown blofeld's face but you are shown yeah, yeah. a man stroking a, a white pussycat um which is another iconic kind of yeah. piece of imagery of this genre as well as the series um and it's all about them like it's supposed to be bond is sent to assist the defection of a soviet consulate clerk named tatiana romanova uh, in turkey and it's like it's so it's so convoluted here's what i think the movie is about yeah this one was the the, probably the hardest one to follow yeah yeah right so it's that there is a lector there's an item called a lector that's the MacGuffin, and it's a decoding device that russia have and specter want and the leader of the russian government is secretly with specter and so they send tatiana to retrieve it with bond 
and because they ask him to come in and they, they tell Tatiana that she is to kill Bond and they they know that Bond will come on board because he'll think it's a trap and you know want to best it um so it's like there's like double agents and then like a triple agent as it's <laughs> um this is actually considered to be the best one by a lot of people um which is funny because i actually think it's probably my least favorite now and uh depending on how we go with the roger moore movies it might stay at the bottom depending. Yeah, like yeah. it's just so boring it's so hard to follow yeah it is like um it's just it's hard to follow and it's one of those movies that like i'm struggling to put together in my mind because there's some parts that i'm thinking oh no that must have been from a different film or like there's scenes in this like i've got the wikipedia page open Mm. and being like oh i thought that was an x film and like there's a couple of things and so it's like yeah i'm narratively trying to piece it back together in my brain yeah uh, yeah no that's totally 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 good point it's like a there's nothing defining about it that all the other ones have so it just feels like the deleted scenes from well because even the the fact that it's like because it's like Thunderball's the underwater one, Doctor Knows the Jamaica one, yeah. Goldfinger's like Goldfinger's the you know the iconic p- um, part of that. Whereas like for Russia with Love, even though it's in Russia, that doesn't feel like a big part of it. It doesn't like it's yeah. not like we're exposed to heaps of Russian iconography and no. can do that. Thank you, Jess. I <laughs> messaged Jess. She's just woken up from a nap to bring me one of the cokes from the fridge. Very so cool. in typical um, James Bond fashion. Ordering a woman's bought you a, a drink, woman yeah. to do something for me. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and and from Russia with Love, it's not even like goofy or silly in the way that some of the others are. You know, it's not. It's 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 described by those who really like it as a as like a Cold War thriller. And I guess if you're intelligent enough to, yeah, it's it's like, like kind of a precursor like to like um, Captain America: The Winter Soldier, right? Yeah, yeah, a, a much better movie. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, so this film introduced several conventions. Oh my god, that's so satisfying! It's so hot the in this Coke. room, and this yeah, oh, it's been a while since I've sipped a um, icy cold carbonated beverage on the podcast. Nice, poor oh boy. Um, so the, this from Russia with Love introduced several conventions, which would become essential elements of the series. Um, the pre-title sequence, the Blofeld character, who's you know the big guy he's referred to as number one in this film and he's referred to as question mark in the credits um mm. there's secret secret gadgets secret weapon gadgets in this film there's a helicopter sequence which wikipedia said is repeated in every subsequent bond film except the man with the golden gun is there a helicopter sequence in every single subsequent bond movie except <laughs> that that sounds like something that doesn't sound true, but I also probably won't notice. If yeah, it is but I don't know enough not. about helicopters to dispute it. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this one uh, doesn't have a, um, a like a theme song, right? This is just um, no. It, it has an instrumental theme song. Yeah, yeah, which a lot of people are yeah. big fans of, but it doesn't really count in that kind of discussion. No. Yeah. No, and we will be talking about the Bond songs towards the end of this episode um so this was also the first time that james bond will return featured in the credits which is also a mainstay yeah it's funny like seeing in these ones how it'd be like uh, james bond will return in goldfinger and it's like you know now nowadays a bond film will come out you won't hear anything for like two years and then it'll be like this big thing about like 
oh, they're filming it, but we're not telling you the title just yet. Like, they make a big deal about the titles now, whereas here it was like, oh, yeah, we'll do Goldfinger. I guess because they're adapting the novels. It's different, yeah, yeah. but now it's like- Now they got to yeah. make them up like a bunch of plebs. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few they could use. Yes, there are. And there's a video I made on this subject of the, the unused Ian Fleming James Bond titles. I'll leave a link to that video in- in the show notes of this episode um so what if when you think about this film what what's something you remember about it like is any is anything you like a semblance you enjoyed like a a, a, a brief light in the darkness which you're like that was all right um so in um this film there's like a, a segment on this film that takes place on a train specifically yep. the orient express right um, i think it might be yeah yeah and so uh, that's cool. I mean, train scenes are always fun. Train levels in video games tend to be really cool, I've noticed. Like, mm-hmm. the Uncharted Uncharted 2, I think, is a really good one. Lego what was Marvel your first Super train Houses. level in a video game? What was my first one? Mm. Um, I, Uncharted's was... Or Uncharted 2, I can't remember which one. Um, is the first it's one that I was yeah. like, fuck, train levels are cool. And I must have seen yeah. more before that. But there's I, there's it's, one it's, I think in yeah. in Tomb Raider four that's real good. Yeah, it's like a, it's a cool memory. narrative, like and and gameplay sort of device to have you confined to quite a narrow, straight line, and then and also like being able to take down enemies or whatever by just kicking them off the side. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like exactly. and, and and it's it's the implication of like. Um, there's a very definitive end to what you're doing. This can't go on forever. You know, you're not just wait, yeah. waiting through the English jungle. There's a ticking time bomb of this train has to stop somewhere or maybe it's hurtling towards a bridge or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so, uh, you know, that was reminiscent of that. It, it conjured up good memories I have associated with trains. <laughs> and so I like that. <laughs> That's the most glowing review you can give this movie. Conjured up good memories I have of, of being on train. Well, actually not even being on trains. Yeah. Just seeing trains and other things. Yeah. Um, yeah, trains are badass. Yeah, I, I like the train scene. Um, there's also a pretty cool fight scene with one of the main bad guys that happens on the train that I was like, mm. this is cool, I guess. Oh, also, I completely forgot. Sorry to go back. I'm pretty sure... To go back to Doctor No, um, mm. there's uh, you may remember like I uh, we were covering Fast and Furious and I got hit by a car and then what was yes. it what was it we were covering after that and you almost got arrested Robocop Robocop and then you almost got arrested by a human cop um, yeah but not ironically really. um, <laughs> and so there's a scene in Doctor No where they uh, someone one of the henchmen fails to kill James Bond so they're like do it again but this time with a tarantula and um, mm. which is ineffective <laughs> um, just as I was sitting down to record I was reading up about the um, the the movies and uh, this giant spider like crawled out of my desk and I ran away, very scared, and then came back with the vacuum cleaner in tow and um, vacuumed that bad boy right up. But um, that could have been you. good content if that had happened on podcast. That You know, you're a regular Sean Connery. I am. He was afraid of spiders. Yeah. Yep. Pussy. Um, and they, they had to put a piece of glass between him and the tarantula on set because he was too scared. <laughs> Cute. Uh, yeah, so From Russia With Love was apparently the last movie JFK ever saw. <laughs> that's cool. That's, that's a cool little fact. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and also the last movie to release before Ian Fleming's death in 1964. So it would have been the last Bond movie that he that Ian Right, Fleming so you reckon saw. it was that's a comment on how bad it is. Yeah, I do. That's <laughs> that he just killed over yeah. and died. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, Richard Goldfinger. Here it is. 1964, directed by Guy Hamilton. What do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? Uh, well, I would think this would be higher than the other two, but 95 is pretty high. Yeah. 95. 97%. Nice. Um, and can you tell me what Goldfinger is about? Can you tell me and us, the audience? Uh, so Goldfinger is, um, there's a new villain in town. James Bond has got mm-hmm. to take him down. His name's Goldfinger. Auric Goldfinger, is that it? Or Auric Goldfinger, yeah, which and- IMDb kindly points out is a reference to AU being the the yeah, yeah. chemical symbol for gold. Uh, thank you, IMDb. Very cool. Um, and so <laughs> he kills James Bond's uh, you know current current squeeze uh, by means of covering. Well, he I don't know if he specifically does it anyway, but um. That's odd job, does it? Yeah, and uh, by covering her in gold paint, uh, killing her via skin asphyxiation, uh, leaving her dead uh, on the bed, and perhaps one of the most iconic images in all of cinema history. And do, do you want to know a fun fact about skin asphyxiation? It's not real. It's not real. <laughs> they actually did it on Mythbusters, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... Uh, and then, yeah, Goldfinger's plan is they think it's to destroy all this gold, but it's actually to, like, lower the value of it so that because um, he's going to, like, irradiate it for so it'll be unusable so that his gold will be more valuable. Uh, and then, yeah, there's, of course, Odd Job, who you mentioned, who is um, uh, a precursor to Austin Powers' random task. But instead of throwing <laughs> shoes, he throws hats. And instead of... Uh, killing and torturing people in real life i'm sure our job has nothing against him like that <laughs> uh yeah no um how how good is goldfinger's plan like that is quintessential you know like secret agent villain like he's he wants to make all the gold in the united states radioactive because so, he's german so that his gold will be the only gold left of value that's a that's a that's a good that 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 feels like a blueprint that that is has been often replicated and parodied now um so i really liked that um i think this is my favorite sean connery film yeah um, yeah i probably agree goldfinger yeah like uh, e- even this one though i was like watching it i was like this is going on too long um oh yeah all of them are like that <laughs> or, like even even the, some of the daniel craig ones are like that, yeah. dude. <laughs> um but you know uh uh like watching the scene where he's tight he's like cuffed spread eagle with a laser that's gonna cut him in half Mm. and he says do you expect me to talk and he says no mr bond i expect you to die it's like okay i can see why this has stood the test of time because that's fucking awesome like seeing that line for the first time in a cinema and whenever it was 1964 four you know, you'd be like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's hard to believe there was ever a time before parody when yeah. that scene existed like that. It's, it's so like, oh my God, it's actually how they do it in The Simpsons. I had no idea yeah, yeah. it was like this. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's, it's such a, like, 
Yeah, it's it's so ubiquitous that it's like it's crazy that it started somewhere. Or rather, that it's not um it's not like The Simpsons was doing a general broad like style parody of the type mm. of thing that would be done in a James Bond movie. It is like lifted directly from the film. Um, yeah, so this is considered to be the first blockbuster of the series. Its budget was equal to that of the first two films combined, and it's seen also seen as the one that really pushed the James Bond brand into the mainstream. It's the blueprint for a lot of espionage movies that would follow in this era, uh, and it's yeah, it's the most iconic of the old Bond films. It's got the Aston Martin DB5. It's got heavy use of gadgets and technology. So the subsequent films in the Bond series apparently all follow goldfinger the film's basic structure like they all feature henchmen with a particular characteristic a bond girl who is killed by the villain a big emphasis on gadgets and a more tongue-in-cheek approach though trying to balance action and comedy Um, yeah so yeah this is pretty quintessential this is what you think of when you think of an old bond film that's the thing yeah it's one of those like when you see parodies of bond they're parodying goldfinger um and even like the titles like cool i'm sure we'll talk about titles um a lot later on we will talk about titles um but yeah it it is uh yeah and it's it's a step in the right direction for the for the series as well that like the not taking itself quite as seriously because i feel like james bond i uh like i prefer when it when it's a little camp um or Mm -hmm. super serious and it's and it's got the talent behind it and the and you know the direction and the writing and everything is confident enough to be that serious like in the daniel craig era um but that kind of like oh yeah here's just a wide shot of what's happening and maybe we'll cut to a mid shot and that's all you get and the plot is just people telling each other their plan and what's going on um (laughs) that and, and, and they're all taking it super seriously and the fight scenes are nothing special um you know yeah. that, that's not They're awkward fun. man yeah. fight scenes in old james bond movies are so awkward awkwardly choreographed um yeah so one other thing um that this movie pioneered richard uh was really amplified uh problematic shit um and yeah. like, part of me wants to do a ranking of like ra- the james bond films ranked by misogyny um and this would be right up there i think and maybe the top one or two um and you know as i said we kind of have to talk about this yeah. whether we we dwell on it or not so this film is kind of so there's there's two two things one is like this has like a microcosm for this problem right at the start when um felix Leiter turns up and james bond introduces him to the girl he's he's hanging out with by the pool and then he goes say goodbye and she's like what and he's like man talk and then she walks away and he smacks her on the butt and it's real like oh my god yeah i was actually <laughs> watching this with jess and because because she kind of yeah. sat down and we were like oh, okay goldfinger this will be good like you know this is the iconic one and then she was like i'm mm-hmm. going to bed <laughs> yeah yeah, and it gets so much worse from there because the uh, main Bond girl in this film, and there's a few of them in this film, mm. um, her name is Pussy Galore, and uh, she is she is inferred to be a lesbian, I think, um, or yeah, it's it's very subtle because it's the '60s, but I think that's that's what you're that's the conclusion you're supposed to draw. And there is a very infamous scene where Bond is with her in a barn, and it's. In the minds of the filmmakers in the 60s, it's him winning her over. And, you know, he's so unresistible that she can't resist. But 
so unresistible that she can't resist. Yeah. Um, but but the, the the way it's filmed now and the way it's acted, it kind of just looks like he forces himself upon her. And yeah, well, because that's the blink. thing. It's like I, I get, especially in at the time that like a little, you know, you know, it, it, people say it's so problematic now, but just like a little bit of like. Oh, how would you like, uh, you know, like, and they'll and the whole, oh, like, no, no, that you're supposed to play that game a little bit, and that's like, like the, the will they, won't they, yeah, kind of um, the defense they of hate, the song. They hate, them, they hate each other so much that they eventually give yeah, into this. But it's, that's that's the defense of the song, um, the baby, it's cold outside song. That it's like, yeah. it's it's the expectation at the time was that you would resist a little bit, um, and then that you mm. and to, so that the guy would have to fight for you and things like that, and so it's right. like there's a few moments in these films that you can be like okay whatever like this is just simple flirtation it just it's just involving the word no you know which makes it problematic whereas um this one is like get your hands off me and like holding you down and like and it's she 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 is not keen and the scene ends with him on top of her and i'm sorry if this is um triggering for people and i say i don't know what word you're supposed to use there and to not sound like you're making fun of it i'm not making fun of people who who have uh, who get triggered at all um so I, I apologize if this if this uh, has been stressful to listen to, um, but yeah, the the scene ends with him on top of her and she's like pushing against him, but he's too strong and he like lowers himself down and kisses her, and just as it's fading to black, you see her like reciprocate, and it's like oh my god, that's the only like flash of of consent you can see in this whole thing. <laughs> you got in like just under the wire, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was just just looking at um pussy galore. Um, Wikipedia page, but like the 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 novel explicitly tells you that she's a lesbian, um, right. but in the movie it's a little bit more like you can read into it a little bit how you want. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And speaking speaking of um Goldfinger and the woman in Goldfinger, there are four love interests across the this this film. Enough they're all fucking. Love. They're all fucking blonde. <laughs> they're all the same age, and they're all blonde. And do you have that? Like, I was at first. I was like, all women in the sixties look the same and are ageless. Like, yeah. what age are these characters supposed to be? I have no idea because th- that got me onto thinking about how, like, when you see photos of like someone who was twenty one in nineteen fifty four or whatever, I'm always like. They could be 35. <laughs> like I, I have no frame of reference for what people looked like at that age. And Yeah, I feel like as times. I've gotten older, I'm way worse at picking people's age. I mean, more specifically mm. like kids, but um, yeah, yeah. anyone. Like, um, the yeah. fact, like when we get to George Lazenby, he was only like a couple of years older than me as Bond. Mm. And it's like, he looks like he's like 80. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I could see the character of Goldfinger um who's a a german you know uh uh sort of I almost want to say like a um like the like the uh sh- the sheriff from the simpsons the like you know the big 10 gallon hat kind of oh, oh, what's yeah. the, what word am um, i trying to the describe the rich texan yeah the rich texan the, like, an oil like a german rich texan oil yeah, baron yeah yeah an oil baron that's a great way to put it um i could see him being adapted in like a daniel craig movie you know but there's no way odd job makes it into a daniel craig movie because this is the thing though right like if they if if we got a character called auric goldfinger in a daniel craig movie he wouldn't be a rich texan oil baron he would be like a 17 year old like african-american 
guy. You know, like why? it's why because it's like, and I, I, this isn't my like being like oh the woke police, um, but it's just like when they bring these things back they love to be like oh it's so different you would never guess that it's the same person um, <laughs> they're a different race what yeah, <laughs> yeah because because you know like like fanboys love to get angry about race swapping and i think that yeah. they love that free press a little bit as well so it's like right why not mm. i mean it doesn't have do to you reckon be goldfinger would be like a, a pewdiepie type <laughs> yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah like um the um sasha baron's cohen's character from who is america the one that's like omg was pop yeah yeah <laughs> like yeah, that. Yeah, that'd be the modern day Goldfinger. But I just don't see a way you can repurpose the core of Odd Jobs character in a way that is grounded, but also doesn't take all the purpose and fun away from the character. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, if, Dave Batista. If you take played... away him throwing a sharp hat, what is yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. The hat, I guess. Yeah. But um, yeah, if they were like, oh, Odd Job is going to appear. And um in Bond twenty six, everyone will be like, Stephen Yun should play him. Yeah, because that's because <laughs> anytime it's like an Asian character might exist, and it's like, oh, Stephen Yun would be perfect for this because he's the only one I can name. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no, agreed. That's very, very sad. Which is why I just stop. Su- I've just stopped suggesting. Um, Stephen Yun for things. Yeah, Stephen Yun for things. So odd job. Speaking of odd jobs, hat though. Do you know he kills? He doesn't. He kills one victim with <laughs> with his hat. He kills like a few victims, a few people in this film. Um, but he, he's shown decapitating a statue with the hat. Mm. And, and if you don't know what we're talking about, this is like an iconic James Bond villain where he has a bowler hat that he th- throws like a frisbee, and it's like iron tipped or something, or steel tipped or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it decapitates a statue, and then he later throws it and kills Tilly by throwing it at her head, but it just knocks her out. <laughs> and it's like if it's not decapitating her what is it doing <laughs> although to be What's fair it, it hits it doesn't hit the statue and like slice through it it like it hits the head with enough force that it cracks off right okay i th- i just think it's like you need to show a bit more um gruesomeness if you throw like that's that's the allure of seeing that weapon is like what it'll do to someone and you only ever see it hit one person and it might as well just be like a rock thrown at them even less, there's no there's no real violence shown. And I don't know why I'm harping on about why I want violence so much. Um, maybe it's just because I have issues, Richard. Yeah. Do you know um, the skin asphyxiation? Do you know that actually led to a rumor that she died during filming? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that's why Which... she had to appear on the um, MythBusters episode. Yeah. All right, so next year, the next year after this, we got Thunderball, which was directed by- They're churning them the fuck out, eh? Yeah, they are, yeah. Um, this was directed by Terrence Young, so the director of the first two. Oh, yeah. Um, And what do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, 83. 88. So they're dropping. They're lower. Yeah. They're getting lower. Um, And what is this film about? Uh, oh, shit. Here we go. Uh, It's about atomic bombs, mm-hmm. and it takes place underwater. <laughs> yeah i've got do you want me to do my backup uh, <laughs> backup plot, plot yeah i, I inadvertently clicked on uh the novel um thunderball uh, and i was like oh shit what do i do what do i do <laughs> 
Um, yeah, yeah. So the film go. the film follows Bond's mission to the Bahamas to find two NATO atomic bombs stolen by Spectre, which holds the world to ransom for one hundred million pounds in diamonds in exchange for not destroying an unspecified major city in either the UK or the United States. And it's later revealed to be Miami. I love reading these plots, and I'm like, oh, that's what it's about. It's yeah. set in the Bahamas. It's the underwater one. It, yeah. Like a quarter of the film is spent underwater. I yeah. think. Um, and this. It's it's a simple plot. Bond's got to find Spectre because they've taken two atomic bombs, and it's like, cool. Hey, from Russia with love, can this please be the? Can yeah. this please be the level of attention I'm expected to pay to these movies? Um, yeah. yeah. So, what did you think of this this movie? Uh, this was the one that growing up, I like because I'd only seen you know a handful of them. I I would have said that I like I quite liked this one. Um, and now yeah. I don't know that I would say that. Um, no, neither. <laughs> because it is again, it, it falls in, into this, a lot of the same issues as the previous films. Uh, it mm. is overly long. There are it's not very interesting visually. Um, mm. And when you've got like the idea of a Bond film set a quarter of it underwater is a cool idea, but it's like you just can't tell yeah. what's going on. Everyone, it's just yeah. people in diver suits just harpooning each other um <laughs> it is so when i first saw that so there's a there's i don't know if it's a particularly famous scene but i so i watched all the bond movies before like in 2012 before skyfall came out and the one thing i remember about this film is the underwater harpoon fight hmm. and i remember thinking at the time i have never seen something like this before i've never seen a scene like this yeah you know and i think i think it deserves maybe some some credit for that um so this was supposed to be the first film uh but as i mentioned it was tied yeah. up in legal disputes but then with all this conversation about it being the underwater one it's like it's like setting the first one in jamaica like why would you make the first one the underwater one the first one should be from russia with love you know that's the the basic structure that is then what well, first one should be goldfinger yeah 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 and then like- the other ones are like subverting different elements or or re recontextualizing these st- same structures to different environments yeah because because goldfinger isn't about the fact that it's globe trotting or anything like that no. it's got it's got a villain the villain has a henchman has a henchman and they've got a reasonably mm. simple plan whereas like already it's like james bond but here james bond but there james bond yeah, but yeah, yeah. underwater <laughs> yeah um so now let's return to um i can't believe this was okay in the 60s corner and talk about <laughs> this film because this might be uh, it's it's between this and you only live twice for the most like yeah jarringly offensive stuff james bond literally weinstein's a girl in this one so <laughs> he he threatens to fire her unless she has sex with him and I don't know if this makes it worse, if it's even worth mentioning, but he can't actually get her fired. He's She thinks she's responsible for something that she's yeah. not responsible for, and he just doesn't tell her that she's not actually responsible for it. And so, and she's like, oh, you won't, you won't tell my bosses, will you? And he's like, well, I suppose I have a price or something like that. And then it cuts, it, like, they go into a He follows together. her into the shower, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, I... I- <laughs> it's not classy it's not cheeky it's not a cheeky way to get a girl which yeah. you could argue is what it is in goldfinger yeah because that's one of the things it's like you don't want to see like because because you you think of like a, a your average dude in the 60s watching um any of these films and it's like a it's like a male fantasy right that you go and you'd be like fuck yeah i'd love to sleep with heaps of women and all this stuff and then and and even even pussy galore is like 
it's written by men, but at least in the this male gaze world that the film exists, she does like consent. She it's it's poorly represented, but yeah. you're at least shown that she. And, and again, I'm I'm grasping at straws to try and emphasize why this one's worse. Mm. At least you're shown that she's at least somewhat into it. Yeah. This is just blackmail. He's yeah, like and, and so also like um, I don't want to encroach on a later segment, but you look you listen mm. to the theme of Thunderball. The, the 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 theme yeah. song to Thunderball is all about like how amazing James Bond is, and this is this is mm-hmm. the like the male fantasy, right? It's like any yeah. woman he wants, he gets. He runs while others uh, walk. He acts while others talk, and all this stuff. And it's like, is it part of it being so irresistible that women want to have sex with you, not? Like, hey, yeah, fuck yeah, I'd love to trick a woman into having sex with me. <laughs> like, that's, it's you know, so that, that, that doesn't add to his character in a positive way yeah. for the people it's supposed to, who are supposed to get mm. off to this, you know? it's Yeah, it's what I was saying at the start, that I can't believe in the 1960s that blackmail wasn't, like, something that people considered a bad thing to do to get sex. Well, okay, you know? I think- and, and that sounds very naive of me. Well, but, to be you know, fair, I think it's that the people who, like, had a problem with that, who gives a shit about them, you know? They were right. They were nobodies at the time. They weren't considered people. They didn't have a voice. So it was like- mm. And that's, I mean, you know, like, these whole things, it's like, you- um you, you know, like you, you have these misogynistic films that treat women poorly, but who cares what a woman thinks, right? Right, yeah. Because yeah. it's men are talking, um, and and it's that's clearly what the the filmmakers believe as well. Like, there's there's hmm. even more understated moments in it where they refer to a woman being um, subservient and that just being the natural order of things. You yeah. Know? All right, so next, Richard, we are we were graced in 1967 with the film, Sean Connery's fifth film, You Only Live Twice, which was directed by Lewis Gilbert. Uh, what do you think it got on Ron Tomatoes? Uh, this would be significantly lower, I'd imagine. Like 65? 73. So not yeah. even, I wouldn't even say that's significantly lower, you know? That's still, that's still fresh, baby. <laughs> baby! <laughs> 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 can you tell me what you only live twice is about uh so this is the uh bond goes to japan one um yay i'm sure this will be done tastefully uh and with respect to the culture and in a way that gives the the um japanese characters a lot of agency and you know they're allowed to move on their own you know they're not they're not seen as like wacky exotic outsiders you know mm. i'm sure that's what'll happen in 1967 uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this was, uh, it's about, he gets sent to Japan after there's, like, um, people disappear in orbit. Because, um, you know, that was the mm. hot thing at the time. There's a lot of, like, spacey kind of stuff in this, in this um, yeah. in the Connery years. Uh, so he yeah, goes so to. It's, it's these it's these space stations that get swallowed up by a larger, by a larger space station. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah. yeah, this is uh, he meets Blofeld, who mm-hmm. we we see for the first time, and then uh, James Bond dies, uh, but then he lives again. But this time he's an Asian man. <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah, that's a good approximation of of the story. I guess the the um the main thing I'd say that that you maybe need to know for this film is that Blofeld and Spectre's plan 
is to uh, pit America and the Soviet Union against each other. By so that's why the sh- the space shuttles are going missing is because they each think it's each other. Like America thinks it's Russia and Russia thinks it's America. Yeah, yeah. And because um, this is like and, during the Cold War and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, and it ends up with with a volcanic inside a volcanic lair where we finally meet Ernst Stavro Blofeld, portrayed in this film by Donald Pleasance, who we've seen a lot of Richard in the Halloween films, where he played mm. Doctor Loomis. Uh, and this guy, I put a picture of him on the Instagram. If you haven't seen it, if you've seen Austin Powers, this is who they base Doctor Evil off. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's he's a bald man patting a white fluffy cat with a scar down his face, and it's 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 dr evil it's it's entirely dr evil yeah it, it's, <laughs> it, it is a great villain design yeah and then it's funny that they like abandon it <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, no, yeah but like how is... iconic it became just after this one film and it's and yeah um, and donald pleasance never portrays the character again um yeah but maybe one of the most surprising things about uh you only live twice richard is that it was written by roald dahl Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite Roald Dahl film? Oh, you only live twice. Um, he was he was given the job despite his only experiencing experience writing screenplays being an unfinished script called "The Bells of Hell Go Tingaling Ling Tingalingaling Tingalingaling The Bells of Hell Go Tingalingaling." Um, Dahl stated that You Only Live Twice uh, was Fleming's worst novel, um, which is kind of shitty because they were supposed to be friends and Fleming had died by this stage. (laughs) Roald Dahl, man. Um, He was given free reign of the script except for the... This is interesting. He was given free reign of the script except for the character of Bond and the, quote, girl formula, uh, which was apparently a formula which was to involve three women for the for bond to seduce one's an ally one's a henchman who both get killed and then a main bond girl so the the misogyny is is baked into the recipe of (laughs) it's not just that that it happens it's like no this is what makes a bond film is these three women two of them who die yeah wow yeah all right should should we talk about the um the the race issue Yes, please. What what are you talking about? Tell tell us what specifically you are re- referring to. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, this film Bond fakes his death, um, and then he um, yeah comes back as an Asian because he's like there's they live with ninjas. <laughs> um, he learns how to and, be a ninja in an afternoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's just got kind of like darkened skin, uh, bushy eyebrows, and a shitty wig and um thankfully i don't think they did any like eye prosthetics no narrowly avoided that i'm sure (laughs) yeah yeah is is it consolation that they don't do a very good job and he doesn't look remotely japanese does that make it better yeah yeah it's weird because it's like (laughs) i get what you're going for but it's like just go the whole the whole way (laughs) you know if you're gonna be a little bit racist just be fucking racist but it it also doesn't really go anywhere like it doesn't come in handy yeah, he doesn't need to be looking kind of Japanese. Um, yeah, so this is this is kind of universally remembered as being the yellow face James Bond movie. Yeah, um, yeah. which is very unfortunate. Uh, when I was originally <laughs> watching these films before <laughs> before Skyfall, I was so I was eighteen, uh, and I remember feeling so drained by this point, like 
in particular because of the girl formula um and i found connery's bond was so heartless and in this film yeah his his main love interest is killed and then replaced with a new relationship which is then consummated all within 24 hours <laughs> yeah i am um, yeah i'm glad you brought up connery's bond because i don't really like him <laughs> I, I don't like him uh yeah and but you know a lot of people are like he's the best one can't can't fucking mess with him but it's like he's he's just annoying like there's no depth to his character in any way and i don't particularly like sean connery anyway sean it's okay to hit a woman if they talk back to you connery um yeah yeah no like this is if you came to this podcast because you like our show and you love james bond i'm saying it dude it is time to remove sean connery bond from canon from the canon (laughs) of great movies like not the james bond canon but the the idea that he is irreplaceable no to fire him out of a canon (laughs) take him out of the canon oh my god (laughs) no like it's time to dispel the idea that he is the iconic portrayal the only portrayal the best portrayal of this character because i i i disagree and i you know like it's (laughs) it's just it's bad everything about it is is textbook bad character writing and yeah. like I'm, I'm calling what, it. I'm saying I, I, it. That- I tell you what, it's it's similar to so when Superman was invented, it was just like, oh fuck, there's a picture of a dude holding a car above his head. Holy shit! And that was enough to get you to buy it. Like it was just incredible to see a character do these things that a human can't do. And so they wrote him with every power and they didn't need to write any weaknesses because it was the first one. And then years later, they invented kryptonite just so they had reason for him to ever struggle. And it's the same kind of thing. It's the first one. And so it's like, let's just write this male spy who just never encounters any issues and it's boring. And then come Daniel, Daniel Craig, like, I, I guess, like, Moore and um, and Brosnan kind of embraced the campness of that idea, whereas Craig made him a flawed character. Yeah. And it's, and, and that's, so, I mean, I guess it's, it's the, these, these are how times and, and expectations of the audience change uh, throughout the years and having grown up with, you know, with, like, Craig's our bond because he's, like, when we came of age, he was kind of the one we had. Um, mm-hmm. But, I, you know, that to me is such a more interesting place to take a character. Objectively, right? Like, it feels mm. like, what are we even talking about? When people say that that Bond isn't good anymore and we need to go back to the Sean Connery days and Sean Connery's the only good Bond, I'm like, what? <laughs> you only think that because it's been instilled in you. There is nothing compelling about this character anymore. It's it is it was released in a time when this was a cool character and we no longer live in that time and it's actually okay to be like nah not anymore this isn't we don't need to remember these films as being good anymore that's <laughs> yeah. basically what I'm saying um <laughs> one final note on you only live twice the film's production designer and director of photography were doing research in Japan before filming started and um they were going to take this one flight home but then decided that they would stay in Japan a bit longer to watch some ninjas <laughs> there was like a ninja show going on or something uh, and the flight they didn't end up taking ended up crashing and killing all on board Jesus. Now, you hear stories like this, you know, all the time. You know, I didn't take a flight that then crashed or whatever. Uh, but I have to say, 
postponing your flight to go watch ninjas is the coolest reason to, to <laughs> serendipitously saved your life you know like fuck yeah <laughs> um yeah so shall we move on to the next one yes all right well the next one was called on her majesty's secret service directed in a uh, directed well i guess it was it was directed in 1969 oh um, was that by, when it was by, directed though or just when it came out that was when it came out. You can point. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hack. So, okay. It, <laughs> it came out in 1969. Um, directed by Peter R. Hunt. What do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, 72. 80%. So, actually higher than You Only Live Twice. Um, and what is this movie about? Uh, so, in this one, uh, we're introduced to a new James Bond who... Is the same person, but also weirdly acknowledges the existence of a previous incarnation yep. of himself. <laughs> it's about the the villain's plan. Uh, it, it's Blofeld again. Yeah, yeah, um, but he he looks different. Yeah, and he wants to sterilize the world's food supply. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Through a group of of brainwashed angels of death who are women that live in this like lodge that's kind of this yeah that's right yeah 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 <laughs> I'm now now it's coming back to yeah. me yeah there's a lot of skiing in this film yeah yeah this is. is this is James Bond hits the slopes yeah <laughs> um yeah and uh, it also has James Bond falling in love with and marrying Contessa Teresa de Vicenzo. Um, and we'll talk about her in a second. But yeah, you mentioned before that he acknowledges that he's not, that he's a new actor. Um, and yeah, in the only instance of the series where James Bond breaks the fourth wall, right before it cuts to the opening sequence, um, he gets left on a beach by a woman he's just tried to save and she like steals his car and he watches her drive away and he looks to the camera and goes, this would never have happened to the other fellow, which is kind of like the most iconic moment from this film. Um, Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of this one? Um, like, so I was watching this one uh, and messaging you, as I am at almost any day in my life, at any any point, any given point. Um, and I, yeah, I just said like, this is immediately more visually interesting. <laughs> I agree. It looks the cinematography is gorgeous on this one. Yeah, like within seconds, it's like okay, these these are camera movements and and shots I mm. I haven't seen in this franchise before, um, yeah. which also their willingness to experiment um, with like the camera and, and things like that is um, it adds a lot to the to a lot yeah. of charm because it's there they're doing that thing of they're like we're gonna do this but they don't have the capability to do it yet so they're trying their best and there's a lot yeah. of like funny green screen it. work and and things like that um like especially Crash in the skiing scenes stuff. yeah but like like the skiing scenes how it's like just shake the camera around in front of yeah, a green yeah. screen or a blue screen probably and wobble the background and they don't yeah, they yeah. don't line up but it's like it's good fun and um yeah, yeah I, I mean like lazenby he's fine he's probably everyone's least favorite bond um because he only had one film to prove himself there's nothing wrong with him like he's better than sean connery yeah i agree um the story is isn't too hard to follow i thought the, the yeah. editing was great um and the ending let's talk about the ending is yeah, the really ending shocking it's yeah. really shocking and out of character so he gets married do you want oh, do you want to tell us what happens in the end 
so he gets married and he's uh he's in the process of you know driving off into the sunset kind of thing and it's we're essentially seeing his happy ending but then things don't go too good because he's now he's got his new wife in the car and then well they they pull over to the side of the road to check something and while bond's out of the car Blofeld drives past and shoots the car up and he gets back in to to chase after him and he looks over and Teresa, his wife, has been killed. Yeah, Tracy. Well, Teresa is her full name. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, she's just been killed and and then he he hugs her, he starts crying and and hugging your body. A guy pulls up at a motorbike and looks in the car and he, he looks at him and he goes, don't worry, she's just resting. And it's like, holy shit. What? Where is this nuance coming from? Yeah, this, I mean... This, this, this series that has been fucking void of nuance the whole time suddenly has this super emotional and tender moment in it. Yeah, and it's crazy that this came, you know, like, almost 50 years before Infinity War. <laughs> <laughs> the first film to ever have tender moments in it. <laughs> yeah, so this the reason why this film is so... Um, or at least its ending is is so uh, impacting. Could be because the director Peter R. Hunt, who's one of the few um of those early directors who never returned to the series, he wanted to go for a more realistic approach, which closely followed the novel. Um, and the film is a result of that. And had it not featured like, albeit shaky continuity carrying over from previous films with the Blofeld storyline, it almost feels like this is a prequel like this is the origins of james bond and if so it actually adds depth to it depth to him because it's like this is why he's this devil may care attitude is because he actually lost the the only woman he ever loved um but yeah there is weird and then casino royale kind of does the same thing yeah yeah, years later yeah but then actually follows through on it um (laughs) apparently bond got plastic surgery was originally in the script to explain the change in the actor which sounds stupid but would actually make a lot more sense because blofeld doesn't recognize him (laughs) like Like, he doesn't recognize blofeld but in canon blofeld has had a facelift he just doesn't they don't recognize each other um but yeah so so the big thing of this film is that connery did not return there's not really a juicy reason as to why he didn't return um he decided to retire because he was really bored and so george lazenby who is an australian model did you know he's australian uh i did know that because there's quite a funny story about how he got cast isn't there uh how was he cast uh well it's essentially this is like have you got it written down in front of you or he no he was in a, a commercial right uh well i'm pretty sure it was like he just rocked up to the commercial uh to the audition had never acted before but was like i could do this and so he like rented a suit and a nice watch and just like and they were like fuck you look the part and he just got the role and he'd never and he lied about having acted before and stuff I, th- I think he was in a, a fries chocolate commercial, but yeah, other than that, I think that's the yeah. that's the way the story goes. Um, yeah, so he was brought on, so he was unknown at the time and is pretty much still unknown now. Um, kind of <laughs> made made Hollywood his bitch for a year and then disappeared back into privacy. Um, uh, but from the get go, Lazenby stated he'd only be playing the character once. Um, he was offered the contra- a contract for seven films but uh, was convinced by his agent Ronan O'Reilly that the secret agent would be an uh, would be archaic in the liber- liberated 1970s and as a result he left the series. 
he was wrong, but he was also right. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there you go. That's that's how Lazenby got on board and why he left. Um. So contemporary critics kind of hated the film. Uh, but in retrospect, a lot of people seem to feel pretty similar to how you and I feel about it. A lot of mm. people call it the most tragic of the Bond films. A lot of people say it's possibly the best one to date. There was someone who said that had it starred Sean Connery, it would be the best one. Um, and then a rebuttal to that saying that Connery would not have been able to play this version of the character, which I agree with as well. Yeah. 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 Any more thoughts on Honor Majesty's Secret Service? Um. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, no, nah, not really. It, like it was, it was a nice. Ref- it was very refreshing to, um, yeah. to 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 just have something new at this point. Becoming like the formulas and and having a new director and and all that was just like it was a breath of fresh air. And the yeah, ending but, is like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is my favorite of the first seven. Easy, Same, probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, um, although so- Goldfinger's like, I, I, I get it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get Goldfinger, but I, I, Richard, I like On Her Majesty's Secret Service. You know, <laughs> I like it. I don't just put up with it. Um, and it's also not that rapey as well. Mm. He, he, he sleeps around a bit, but you know, everyone's down to party. We don't want to slut shame him. <laughs> um, so two years later, 1971, the first Bond film of the 70s, we got Diamonds Are Forever, directed by Guy Hamilton, who directed Goldfinger. Um, and this also saw the return of Sean Connery to the role, the much-needed return uh, to the role of Sean Connery. Um, what do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? Oh, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? 66%. Or as I like to say, 66%. <laughs> certified fresh. <laughs> no, it's not certified, is it? It's just fresh. No, no. Um, which already has SH in it, so the joke is lost. What is Diamonds Are Forever about? Blofeld's back again. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's well, there. Well, sort of a, a twist three quarters of the way through the movie. You don't know uh, Yeah, because well, he, he thinks he kills the real mm. Blofeld um yeah. at the start in this very like and and a film that's almost a, a complete middle finger to the sensitivity of on her majesty's secret service yeah it is eh? <laughs> just, it's it, like he like drops him into boiling mud um, yeah and a and yet another the third volcanic layer to feature yeah. in the series so far um yeah so there's like there's it's about there's diamond, diamond smuggling, smuggling and then yeah. and that it's revealed to be Blofeld who wants to build a, a freaking laser beam <laughs> to shoot freaking lasers. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and Bond Bond has to battle Blofeld and stop uh, Blofeld from destroying Washington D.C. because the laser the diamonds are used to make a laser beam and a satellite in space. I missed the part why diamonds need to be involved in that process, but a lot of the movie is everyone trying to get the diamonds, the diamonds of the MacGuffin. Um, and yeah, so, we're there forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so after George Lazenby left the series, Saltzman and Broccoli tested other actors, offering the role to Adam West of 
the 1960s Batman fame, uh, Burt Ward of the 1960s Batman fame, <laughs> uh, and Michael Gambon, who replaced um, Richard Harris's Dumbledore in Harry Potter, mm. um, was offered the role back in 1971. And they all turned down the role. Burt Reynolds as well, I believe. Was he? For this one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, well, I know Adam West and Burt Ward both felt that an a American shouldn't play the character, and Michael Gambon said that he was horribly unfit. Um, hmm. <laughs> uh, mood, I feel you, Michael Gambon. Um, <laughs> the, so United Artists wanted Sean Connery back, paying a then-record £1.25 million salary for him to return. The producers were inspired by Goldfinger, as with that film, so with, as with that film, Guy Hamilton was brought back to direct, and Shirley Bassey once again performs the vocals on the title song. Uh, the result is a film which ignores the brave storytelling decisions of the previous, more divisive movie, and instead of following following on from the story thread sets up tries to recapture the magic and return to the familiar expected elements established in the series by one of its previous directors richard does that sound familiar has that happened recently to another big blockbuster series yes Yes, Diamonds Are Forever is the rise of Skywalker of the Sean Connery Bond era. You're right. It is. It is. Whether, I completely whether... blanked day. I was thinking too hard. I was like, <laughs> X-Men, uh, Halloween. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, whether or not you want to call Honor Majesty's Secret Service the last Jedi of the franchise, I think that's maybe a little bit different. But this this makes all the same mistakes as the rise of Skywalker. It's It's a frantic... Um, course correction from those that didn't like the previous film and all it offers you in, in the way of anything new is familiarity and falling back like reversing character development bringing back what they think people want to see um, an original plot outline for this film has the villain be Auric Goldfinger's twin seeking revenge oh, for the death of his brother um, Diamond Finger which <laughs> which the <laughs> which uh, the plot was later changed after Broccoli had a dream where his close friend Howard Hughes was replaced by an imposter. So it wasn't it wasn't changed because they realised that was cheap storytelling, <laughs> blatantly a way to cash in on uh, familiar imagery. They did it because Broccoli had a dream. <laughs> That's insane. Um, yeah. So what did you think of it? Did you find? Did you feel the same way you felt about? The rise of Skywalker yeah, it, with this film. It, it, it is funny, like watching a film like this and his his opening scene where it's it's Connery again. There is there was a small part of me that was like, he's back, baby, and then immediately <laughs> yeah, I want you to think that immediately I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and one of his first scenes, he like rips the bra off of the bikini top off a woman and uses it. To, to tie her up to tell him some piece of information and it's like oh god i don't want this anymore i just got out i and just also, got out and now you're pulling me back in in the most brutal way like it's funny <laughs> that he's like sean connery uh clearly didn't like uh you, you know he, he let himself get a bit out of shape um because mm. he thought he was done with this role um, mm. and he comes back and he's like a little bit sort of, his face is a little bit rounder and he, and he just looks like Kevin Spacey and it was so <laughs> distracting throughout the whole film. Um, cause there's a scene where he does an American accent as well. Um, well, I, which, think he, I think he's being overdubbed, but yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say, I refuse to believe that Sean Connery is able is to do an, Ameri- an actor. <laughs> yeah. Is that good of an actor to do an American accent? Um, yeah. 
And it's good to know that he's not. Um, mm. I mean, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. And then it was just like, you know, he, he comes across this like Bambi and Thumper who are like two scantily clad women. And it's like, mm. oh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. They, they have they have actually a pretty, I thought was a pretty well choreographed fight scene. Yeah, it, uh, it is kind of right. cool, but it's like, oh, here he, like, what, and, 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 and like walks in, hi, I'm Bambi. And I'm like, oh, Bambi vagina or something. It's going to be stupid, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then. No, this one had plenty of tool as, as the yeah. comically Who sexual. is one of the worst p- fucking performances I've ever seen in a film? Oh my yep. God. Just to, to briefly, we'll get to Dumb IMDb trivia late, later, but when looking at the trivia section for this film, there was one that was like, uh, the the actress who played Plenty of Tool claimed to have had an affair with Sean Connery, and then the next piece of trivia is, Sean Connery was dating the woman who played Plenty of Tool for the duration of the film. I was like, well, if she, if she thought they had an affair, then... <laughs> <laughs> Which just fits um, her character as well. <laughs> um so that being said all of this being said that it's it's the rise of skywalker of connery bond films i i did find this more watchable than dr no or from russia with love i can understand the argument that it's not a better film i i agree um yeah interestingly sorry just about plenty of tool um Mm. that actress has been married six times um and she's actually the sister of natalie wood who the who was famously uh murdered by potentially christopher walken (laughs) what what the fuck i don't know anything about that um well there's you know conflicting reports but uh, natalie wood was an actress who drowned um and there was a bunch of famous people on the boat um and some people you know think that maybe one of them did it and i think one of them was christopher walken robert wagner the actor um was another one who people are like pretty sure also um the some shady shit happened between natalie wood and kirk douglas uh, but we don't need to go into that <laughs> oh my god feels like all the rest of the stuff I have, all the rest of the stuff i have to say for diamonds are forever pales in comparison to finding that out um, <laughs> but here we go uh, i thought that the, <laughs> the campiness <laughs> was a bit amped up in this film it's it's kind of a precursor to the Roger Moore era. There's there's two there's two henchmen in this film named Mister Wint and Mister Kid who are very theatrical. And I'm gonna say it, Richard, they're pretty fun. They're pretty fun villains. <laughs> they're, they're sort of they're very they're very articulate and talk like this, and they're all like, "What do you think of this, Mister Kid? Yes, I think that's very good, Mister Wint. You know, and they're pretty creepy guys. So I, I liked them. Yeah, but th- there is an element of like gay panic to them. Do you reckon? Oh, I didn't. Yeah, even I, th- I think that. so. I think I think they're implied to be gay, and that's why they're scary. Ah, oh, At one point, he one of them does say, "I would like, I would like her if I liked women," or something like that. Yeah, one this of them does say, like- "I'm gay, and you should be scared of me." <laughs> You're like, "Oh, that makes so much sense now." Ah, <laughs> oh, the seventies. Um, yeah, and so I also thought this film was, and I don't know what the this I don't this doesn't. I don't mean what it sounds like I mean by this. I felt like it's a lot sexier, this film. Like, the the other ones, when there's, like, a female character in it who's supposed to be, like, you know, sensual or whatever, it's still, like, she'll be wearing, like, a bikini or a nice dress or whatever. But this one, they get real close to just straight up 
showing boobs and stuff in it. Yeah, and um, bums. Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot more. It's a lot more scantily clad, I guess. I don't um, know. Yeah, well, because the bit with the, the, is that like, a good observation? <laughs> yeah, there's the bit with the like tape, and he puts it like in her bikini bottom, mm. um, her bikini bottom. Um, yeah. but you know, like there's a, a, an important MacGuffin of the film touches a girl's bare butt for mm. a not insignificant amount of time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so while while we praised the on Her Majesty's Secret Service ending, the ending of Diamonds Are Forever. God damn, man. These these movies are so hard to follow, and we're thrown all around the world with no rhyme or reason. And you think Diamonds Are Forever is the Las Vegas one, like it's all set in Las Vegas and about diamonds. And then all of a sudden, it's the climax, and I'm on an oil platform in the middle yeah, of the yeah, ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, why am I here? How did we get here? What is going on? What, what happened? Why is the climax taking place here? Um, yeah, totally. So it's, this film, this, is, this has got the most dragged on ending, I think, out of any of them. For sure. Like you get to that final scene, you're like, oh fuck, I just want to stop watching this now. Um, but it, it never these films never end because diamonds are forever is forever. Yeah. So what did you think of these movies, Richard? Did you like them? That's the those are the the seven films we watched. Did you like them? Uh this is what this has been one of the like hardest to get through franchises yeah. we've had in a while because there's something so frustrating and disheartening about watching a film franchise knowing that people love these films and that you're mm. expected to go on a podcast for two hours and talk about how much you miss misogyny and oh, <laughs> and how and how <laughs> um but yeah like you know that it's these are supposed to be untouchable and I guess this is like proof of these films are shit if you didn't grow up with them. Like, yeah, these are, it's just nostalgia. That's that's why you like them. Mm. Yep. And look, I I I love, I love Casino Royale, and I I really like the Daniel Craig films. Uh, these are bad movies. These are, except for Honor Majesty's Secret Service, these are all bad, outdated movies that no longer deserve to be remembered with such mm. high esteem. Yeah, well, like opinion. almost, even though it's probably got like the worst kind of thing in it, Goldmember, Goldfinger, <laughs> Goldmember, <laughs> Goldfinger is it the one. That- we like pull a cord and all this confetti falls down. <laughs> they confused Austin Powers with uh, James Bond. Goldfinger is the one that it's like, if this existed, if this was just like, oh, there's this real cool spy movie from the 60s called Goldfinger, you should check it out, and it wasn't part of this big franchise, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that is kind of cool. I can see why people like that. Like, Yeah, yeah. Because it's got all the iconic iconography. Um, you the can, iconic iconography. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you can admire that somewhat, but it, it comes with all the problematic stuff, and then watching them all back-to-back just gets boring. I think that's the problem. I don't think... I've only ever watched these movies back to back. This is yeah. the second time I've done it. I don't think you're supposed to do it that way. I, I think if you were watching these coming out in the 60s and it was like you vaguely remember Dr. No because you saw it a year ago and then um, From yeah. Russia With Love comes out and it's the same formula. You'd be like, yeah, sweet. But now with like home video and all this stuff, you know, there's there's no reason to... Uh, yeah. yeah, I, 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 yeah. I, I haven't, I think... 
I don't think I've seen any. I think I've seen clips of Roger Moore films or like caught parts of it on TV. So I am kind of excited to get into like a new era of Bond. Um, Me too. Which, you know, I don't really, I don't know an awful lot about. Um, other they than get I think pretty it hard gets... going in the middle, but they're yeah. at least they're at least sillier. Yeah. Um, yeah. But maybe I'll enjoy that. Maybe I'll come yeah, maybe. and I'll be like, yeah, I love Moonraker or whatever. Yeah. Um, if that's okay, even a well, hot take, I don't know. <laughs> but before before we move on to the segments of the show, is there, is there anything, Richard? Is there anything from the previous seven movies that you enjoyed especially? Um, one thing yeah, I did forget to mention um, as we were talking about it, but the end of Goldfinger is so funny yeah. that they're like in a plane and the window gets shot out and Auric Goldfinger gets sucked out of the plane window. And the way it's shot, like they clearly, they were not equipped in 1965 or whenever to film that scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, but boy, howdy, what a, what a lark. What a laugh. <laughs> it's, it's very strange looking. It's very strange looking. Uh, yeah. I agree. So go, go look, look up Goldfinger Death online if you haven't seen yeah, it before. It's so fun. It's so absurd. I was mm. like, what, what is happening? Hmm. So, Richard, it's time to talk about theme songs, uh, because Yay. this is your favorite part of James Bond movies, you it said is. a couple weeks back. So, if you if you are unfamiliar, if you've never seen a James Bond film before, they all kind of start the same way. There'll be, like, a cold open where you might see him, like, finishing off the last mission he was doing, or it might be, like, the bad guys doing something ominous, and then it'll cut to a a sort of... Uh, a title sequence that has you know some nice motion graphics and animation in it and it features sexy ladies and whatever like the dominant piece of imagery for that film is so for diamonds are forever there's a lot of diamonds um for thunderball it's all underwater that sort of thing uh and they're they're usually always accompanied by a an original song made for the film itself um often by a well-known artist we are we are working with the 60s here so it might not be as well known as um as as something like Billie Eilish's new track for No Time to Die. Uh, but we're going to go through the seven from this this um, this run and discuss yeah. them. So the first one is in Dr. No, we get a, a Calypso version of this three blind mice, the nursery rhyme. It's it's a very strange start to yeah. a now mainstay of the series. I don't think that series. counts, yeah. It, it, but what it's it's they they're singing like three blind mice and you're seeing like silhouettes like dance across the screen um it like i i wrote i wrote it down as notable because it means that at some point they were intending for every film to have this opening sequence because dr knows one feels so out of place and tacked on but it, it was always there and it's just strange yeah. um there is also, also, of course, the song in Dr. No, Underneath the Mango Tree, which is featured prominently, but is not technically the theme song. What did you think of the Calypso version of Three Blind Mice? Did you like it? Uh, I, I don't want to talk about it. I so from it Russia with I Love... I don't want to justify you including it in this <laughs> conversation. From Russia with Love, uh, the theme song is an instrumental track, so there's no no one singing it, but the instrumental track does have a title. It's called James Bond is Back. Mm. It's quite cool. I remember, like, for a memory, it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's considered the, the, the first one. Like, it's the general consensus is Dr. No doesn't have one. From Russia with Love does, but it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Goldfinger is sort of the first of what beca- has become sort of the icon um, the, the, what you think of when you think of these opening sequences. Uh, Goldfinger features the song Goldfinger by Shirley Bassey, which you'll have heard before, if, even if you've never seen the film, it goes, Goldfinger, he's the man, the man with the Midas touch. Da, 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 da. Mm. It's like, it's a, you'll know it. Go look it up. You'll have heard it. What do you think <laughs> of this song? Um, okay, so this one is, I've, I, even before liking James Bond, well, no, 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 before watching James Bond, I should say. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> I I was always interested in the theme songs, and I have read quite a few rankings, um, mainly just to see if they agree with me on what the best one is, because to me, it's absolutely no contest, but we'll get to that in a few weeks. Um, that Goldfinger quite often tops those lists and i and i understand why there's a love for shirley bassey and why you know because she, she she's pretty much synonymous with the bond theme at this point yeah, she um, did three of the the bond songs yeah she's sort she of the, did five two of them weren't were, weren't used but she's Dutch three officially yeah um and yeah so it's like yeah I, I get it right uh having said that i don't think goldfinger is her best work but a lot of people consider this to be the best one because it's the first one and it's so iconic um but it's not even her best one on this episode you know no. um <laughs> yeah so yeah i'm gonna say it goldfinger overrated Okay, but, well, the next but like, one we But have. very much fits the aesthetic and is a great song to establish the pattern. I agree. Uh, Thunderball had the song Thunderball by Tom Jones. Um, a Johnny Cash version was also recorded but rejected. Uh, and I think there were... Shirley Bassey did one... Well, there was one called Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang that never made it through. Um, and Shirley Bassey did did one of them. How does Thunderball go? Can you, can you give us a, a bit of it? I can't remember. Uh, I don't want to. Well, I, I did gold. For, I'll do the next one. Okay, so it's like, um, and he strikes like thunderball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. What do you think of this one? Fucking love this one. This is so good. I fucking love this song so much. <laughs> um, this also with the the girls like swimming past the screen and stuff like that. To yeah. me, this is like, like Thunderball's almost so perfect that. You would hear this in Archer or on on Austin Powers because it's it so perfectly fits that that it almost borders on parody. And this is, I think, like the the imagery of this of the of the title sequence itself is the one that's most commonly parodied, like having yeah, yeah, yeah. changing colors with silhouettes of women swimming past um because if you've seen you've seen spy hard or the opening to spy yeah, hard yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the leslie nielsen film with weird al yankovic does a does a song for it and it's it's that kind, it's it's that, this kind yeah. of thing yeah, yeah um but yeah man thunderball such a good song tom jones such a good singer uh because also i th- I, I mean i'd have to look at them all written down but like thunderball is also because goldfinger is about the villain whereas thunderball is just describing how cool james bond is which tends yeah. to be more often you get just descriptions of James Bond or from the point of view of James Bond, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I, I'm not familiar enough with the lyrics. Yeah, but um, yeah, Thunderball, great. This is this is my like top, Thunderball's my top two or three. Nice. Bond themes. 
So even though I haven't to... watched all the films, I have listened to all the theme songs, and I do yeah, already have a ranking of them. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so, Thun, uh, you only live twice. The song's called "You Only Live Twice." It's by Nancy Sinatra. That's mm. that's a, that's of the Sinatras. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, Frank Sinatra's oldest daughter. Right. Um, and the musical hook uh, would later be used in Robbie Williams' hit song "Millennium." Yeah. So this is where you first hear. We mm. got stars directing our fate. But that's not the lyrics of this are like yeah, how does you only live twice go? Only live twice. Dur, 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 dur. It sounds like I sound like I'm doing Coronation Street. Um, <laughs> I I like this I like this song just because I like Millennium by Robin Williams Robbie yeah, Williams. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird to hear it. Because I didn't know until I saw this movie the first time in twenty twelve. I didn't know that Millennium had a was sampled from an old James Bond song. Yeah. Um. So it's an all right song. I don't. I don't think it's the best of the. Yeah, that's the thing. Song. It's very middle of the pack thing. It's it's not. Um. Nothing particularly stands out about it to me anyway. And but yeah. nothing. Uh. It's nothing. Nothing taking it into bad territory. Yeah. And the imagery is sort of like lavery themed, like volcano. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like this is a perfectly serviceable. Yeah. Track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then on Her Majesty's Secret Service, it's another instrumental track, uh, though Louis Armstrong did sing an original song for the film uh, called We Have All the Time in the World, uh, but I feel like that doesn't count, and so we can't really count yeah. this one. Um, so, and But the, the opening sequence itself is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I can't remember it, but I remember thinking it was cool. Then we got Diamonds Are Forever, which is called Diamonds Are Forever, which is by Shirley Bassey, and that goes, Diamonds Are Forever, Forever. Forever. Yeah, it's um used in Diamonds from Sierra Leone by um Kanye West as well. Oh, there you go. Um, and that that's sort of diamond themed in its opening imagery. What do you think of that one? Uh, I love this one. This is this one's great. Um, this yep. is my favorite because what's Shirley Bassey's third theme again? Moonraker. Moonraker. But she also did that that cancelled one for Thunderball, and she did a cancelled one for Quantum of Solace that not a yeah, lot of people right. know about. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, this one is fantastic. Um, it's just catchy and fun, and I, I guess because I associate it with Diamonds from Sierra Leone as well. But um, yeah, this is, this is my favourite Shirley Bassey one. Nice. Who's, you know, so iconic and so fits the, mm. the franchise there, yeah. you know, it, and this is... So th- yeah. this would be maybe top five for me. Nice. All right, Richard. Now it's time for dumb IMDb trivia. Are you ready for three quarters of a page of I- dumb IMDb oh, trivia? Oh, Jesus Christ. So for those who haven't played before, IMDb trivia is real fucking dumb a lot of the time because it's user submitted. And so people can yeah. suggest whatever they want and claim it as tri- uh, trivia. So this, you know, covers a few different definitions of the word dumb. Some just, I think, is a stupid thing that happened in real life. Some of it's just poorly worded. Um, so let's get into it. Uh, in Dr. No on IMDb, once inside Dr. No's base, while they are escorted to dine with Dr. No, Honey notices James' hands are sweating. This is possibly the only time in a Bond movie that he openly admits he's scared. This also helps to remind the audience that he's a real man and not invincible and increases the tension. Uh, yeah, does it though? Um, <laughs> and also, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's also a reference to um, to Eminem's hit song, Lose Yourself. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in the German version of Goldfinger, James Bond calls Q, who's the gadget guy, he calls Q K. But it is unknown why or if it was just lost in translation. 
it doesn't say if it doesn't know why it happens or if, if the letter Q, the a single letter was lost in translation. <laughs> Um, such was the popularity of Thunderball that one theatre manager was threatened with divorce because he was unable to leave the theatre for several days at a time. That's, hmm. What do you mean? What are you talking <laughs> about? I don't understand the statement. He was threatened with divorce from his his wife? Is that what it's saying? That must okay. be what it's saying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the uh, studio's Japanese affiliate originally translated the title of Dr. No as we don't want doctors in South Korea. Because it's Dr. No. (laughs) Doctor, no. We don't want doctors. Which I kind of like that title better, to be honest. Um, In South Korea, Korea, the literal translations of this movie was 007, murder number. Um, hmm. in, in the original take of the final scene and on Her Majesty's Secret Service featuring Tracy Bond's death, George Lazenby came to tears. Peter R. Hunt then made them shoot the same scene again because he said that Bond does not cry. Uh, there were only two takes. However, George Lazenby convinced Hunt to use the first take, saying that considering the circumstances, on IMDb it says his wife being killed that maybe this should be the one exception accordingly this became the first and until the release of Skyfall in 2012 the only time in which Bond is seen openly crying um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service is the first movie in the James Bond film franchise in which 007 resigns from the MI6 when he falls in love only to have the woman he's fallen in love with tragically killed at the end of the movie this feels like it's making fun of <laughs> like this This feels like it's written by a podcaster who's yeah, sick yeah, and tired yeah. of seeing, seeing <laughs> that done over and over again in Diamonds Are Forever, Tiffany, being the first American Bond girl, is argumentative, abrasive, loud, and brash when compared to previous Bond girls who were more demure. She was a t- stereotypical commentary on the American woman, apparently. <laughs> that apparently is in there. Oh it's my like God, American the woman, comma, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, And finally, Ian Fleming wrote the story of Dr. No in 1956 for an episode of a never-produced television series, James Gunn, Secret Agent. (laughs) So let's just sort of laugh on the fact that it's James Gunn. Um, The episode was titled Commander Jamaica. Uh, The unused treatment was then expanded and used for the sixth James Bond novel, Dr. No, which had the working title of The Wound Man. Fleming based the character of Dr. No on Sax Roma's Dr. Fu Manchu. Uh, so that is a nice segue, Richard, into talking about titles. Yeah. We talk about titles a lot on this podcast. What do you think of Dr. No as a title, Richard? Dr. No is such a stupid title. <laughs> like, d- d- you're kicking off a, you know, decade spanning. <laughs> Yeah. film franchise and you go with dr no for your first film it's so it's so bad at I'd least say, it's not like i i kind of admire the fact that it's not like james bond in dr no and that every yeah, film yeah, has to yeah. be called that now like a james bond story yeah yeah um i'd say my favorite title of this bunch would be from russia with love which might be my favorite title of any bond film i think it's interesting yeah. sexy and mysterious and it promises adventures abroad and it evokes the brand the best i think you know from it's mm. it's like something you write at the end of a letter because you're writing from russia so there's a romance yeah, and there's a bit of love there as, as well as an adventure yeah 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 um <laughs> that being said i'd have probably just called the first film on her majesty's secret service because that's what every film them. is about yeah, yeah. yeah 
Um, but the 007 titles are interesting because they don't really follow a single pattern, but rather fit into one of four. I've got four patterns, but we'll, we, this might change as we go through them over the next few few episodes. Um, and just when you think you've, you could come up with a James Bond movie title, it feels like they crank out a super out of place ones, you know? <laughs> so from the, there are, there are four categories that I've got written down here. This, the first seven that we've talked about already fit into three of the four. So, the the I'll I'll go from my favorite to least favorite um titling scheme yep. right um so my favorite is the poetic slash mysterious turn of phrase which communicates a key idea or piece of imagery from the film right so that's from Russia with love you only live twice or diamonds are forever like they yep. are phrases which sound sound kind of poetic but then also diamonds are forever is about diamonds from russia with love is in russia you only live twice he does come back from seeming death seemingly death um the next category is literally just the name of a character setting or prominent event in the film often but not always adjective plus a noun um so that's goldfinger and thunderball are adjective noun uh, doctor no technically fits in this category because it's just a a strange name for a character Mm. and it's a main character in the film uh and then the third category broad titles you could give to literally any of the films in the series which is (laughs) on her majesty's secret service and we haven't had any in the first seven but there's also ominous phrases which don't really refer to anything specific in the film itself so looking ahead i would say die another day no time to die yeah no time to die oh i haven't seen it yet but i presume no, having no time to die is not really something that applies to the story specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's time for our second to last segment. Uh, no, our second to last segment. It is our second to last segment. I've, I've made sure of it. Uh, continue the franchise, Richard. Um, so this is where we all pitch some way to continue on the Sean Connery franchise that we love so much. Um, and while Lazenby never returned to play Bond and seemingly dropped out of the spotlight completely, Connery wasn't so willing to let it go. As I mentioned earlier, he returned for the non-official entry Never Say Never Again in 1983, and then 22 years later, did you know this? He returned once more to voice the character in the 2005 video game adaptation of From Russia With Love. Yeah, it's a PS2 game. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know he, re- he returned to voice it. That's awesome. Um, there's also a very popular fan theory that Sean Connery's character in Michael Bay's 1966 film The Rock is supposed to be an older, grizzled James Bond who's been imprisoned in Alcatraz. I haven't seen it, but that's yeah. But it's what's well, something like that that it's like that makes the character too interesting. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. True. Um, on top of this, it's also pretty clear that Sean Connery was intended to play Albert Finney's character in Skyfall, but he didn't come out of retirement for it, and as mm. such created this weird disconnect in that film which we'll get to in a few episodes time um what's your continue the franchise okay so my continue the franchise is i want to see a female reboot of james bond now i'm not talking about having a film come out now with a female james or the female spy who and the film uh pokes fun at you know dated tropes i want to see an almost word for word remake <laughs> of one of these films with starring Sean Connery with the genders flipped. And I want to see full on misandry. I, I, I don't want to see like poking fun at it. I just want to see uh, like, like the filmmakers believe this. The, yeah, it's the with, filmmaking stitched believing, into the, text and of the film. And, and, you know, men on Twitter and, and Reddit are going to go, would go ape shit for this. 
yeah. well, like against this, you know? And yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to, because I think that would be funny to see, um, like one of those things where it's like, it, it stops becoming like a, a fun little, oh, isn't this dated? And becomes like, oh, that's actually pretty, pretty, pretty wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> goes, goes yeah. so far that it stops being a fun little experiment. Yeah. <laughs> and just nice. starts being like, okay, you, equality. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, I hate to say it, Richard. I've got a, a remarkably similar idea for my continue the Rapist. <laughs> Not completely similar, but I want to recut each of the Connery films so that they contextually take place in modern day. Uh, and Connery's Bond is actually just an oblivious, awkward asshole that everyone like rolls their eyes at when he says something dated or lame. Um, but he never quite realizes how much of a loser he is. Loser he is. Uh, but he's still a damn good spy. Oh, still, you got to give him that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's so like it's this like, would be like um, it's like Bolt, <laughs> the other film Bolt, um, the dog where, one. Yeah, yeah, the dog one with John Travolta and Miley Cyrus, um, where like everyone around him like works to create this illusion and goes along with it just so that he believes this thing because they also like mm. in Bolt it's because he's a good acting dog and this it's because he's actually a good spy. Yeah, yeah. So I want I would get the same types of cameras they filmed these old movies with and film like people respond you know real time like modern day responses so he says like like something real rapey and everyone around him is just like okay uh so um then they just ignore him and move on mm. but he's completely oblivious to how everyone thinks he's just a fucking loser mm. <laughs> oh and you cut out all the luck that he has like he doesn't he doesn't have sex once in the, in the movies because uh, right, yeah, w- okay. women refuse to talk to him because i, was, I like, thought it'd be like you know you have women like putting their clothes back on and being like oh it's for the cunt it's for england (laughs) (laughs) that's an interesting idea as well nice well richard our final segment of the show is a new segment that we're implementing um in 2020 and that is called rank that franchise so if you remember at the end of last year we uh ranked all the franchises we've watched so far the first 99 and instead of um, just going back and, and doing another French ranking episode of the next of, at the end of the next 99, I thought it could be cool to just rank them as we go. So mm, you say you I'm thought, the, but I remember this. I va- I remember this being my idea. Yeah, no, <laughs> you, you're right. Um, so I'm adding Dr. No to the franchise ranking. Now, where does it go, Richard? Well, however, the whole point of doing James Bond is that it, that James Bond as a franchise is our 100th franchise. So I posit to you, we're not even close to finish this franchise, so it's not time to rank it. Do you not think? Do you not think that nah. because we ranked Godzilla and Lord of the Rings the same way that we should do the same? With uh, but we did that specifically so that our first franchise this year could be our 100th, and we decided to make it James Bond, not just Sean Connery James Bond. So do you, you don't want to rank it? You, you, you cut, you're clipping my wings just as I take flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then, you know, Nick, in, in a couple of years' time, when we want to make something our 200th franchise i'm sure we can split james bond then (laughs) okay well you sure you don't want to just do this for the the fun of it uh all right rank it last i don't think it's last no it's not but i think Uh, it's pretty close to last uh i'm thinking between 300 and i know what you did last summer so above three you think it's better than those hold on let me just get the thing okay now i think it goes better than that um uh, I mean, it's one of those things like looking at this list, we've covered a lot of shitty films. Um, mm. 
I would probably go so far as to put it around the same kind of level as like uh, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. In really? like the fifties the somewhere. In the fifties? You want to put Sean Connery, James Bond in the fifties? I thought you you told you text, texted me this week and you said this is the worst franchise we've watched. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well okay. let's on the good faith of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, I'm willing to put it. I'm gonna go. I'm willing to put right, it above. Look who's talking. Okay, now we've got now we're, now we're agreeing on something. So just above Look Who's Talking is Ear Buddies. Is it better than Ear Buddies? Yes. I think it's probably better than Ear Buddies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it better than Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? So it's above Ear Bud. Uh, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yeah. I think it's because there. Of, I think because it's... Of, yeah. No, yeah, let's put it around Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. So it's at 77 now between Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and Ear Bud. <laughs> Take that, you sexist prick. Yeah. And it's all. It's only on the love of On Her Majesty's Secret Service is it up that high. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Well, so you can check that out on our um, Cole Popsha's Letterboxd account. We'll leave a link to that in the description along with our own personal Letterboxd accounts. Um, I'm thinking of doing different rankings of James Bond. I've been I've been re-ranking James Bond movies as I've been watching them. Um, so you can read that as well as... I've been... Richard, I've been going back and ranking just every year of film. And I've, I've up to like the mid 19... 80s i think um nice so that's been fun uh so yeah you can check that out in the show notes below along with links to our um all our other places like facebook and youtube and instagram and twitter we're at cold pop at all of those places or you can email us at cold at gmail.com chuck us an email and tell us what your favorite uh james bond movie is or what your favorite or why we're wrong and not liking sean connery yeah, um, yeah, try, yeah, yeah, yeah. Defend the sexism of these films, yeah, yeah, to us, please. please. We challenge you to. Um, uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, we will be back next week with uh, our final Oscar season episode of the year, which is us. We're going to be doing the Oscars of the twenty tens. Uh, no, no small task, Richard. No, it's a big task. Yeah, uh, and then we'll be back the week after that with the Roger Moore Bond films. I think there are eight Roger Moore. Bond uh, I think there's seven. Is there only seven? Okay. I think so. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll be back for them. Uh, and then um, the off weeks for, for the James Bond season are going to be Patreon decided for the first time ever. So very excited about that. Um, so check back in next week. And thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, and please share this this podcast with your friends and comment on it and like it and do all that yeah. sort of thing. Sweet. Thank you very much. Richard, goodbye, Richard. What's this Why? James Bond? Se- oh, Colt Popsha will return in... Um, the Oscars of the wherever you find your podcasts (laughs) see you later everybody hey thanks for sticking around oh boy is it good to be back with film franchise fortnights what a long it break is. it's been and was it worth the wait well <laughs> after listening to that episode i can safely say no it wasn't the it speaks for itself i think but you know i yeah. think it's up to the to to the listeners to decide yeah um, but here we are richard in our post credit scene uh, this 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 part of the show, of course, brought to you by our Patreon, where members who donate five dollars or more give us a challenge or a question or something or other for us to to have a wee scush about. Um, 
at the end of the episode and if you want to be part of this just head on over to www.patreon.com slash and donate more than five dollars and you can throw us a question as well so this one comes to us from alexander mcdonald and he asks a question richard that i am grossly unprepared to answer <laughs> he says who would you cast as the ghost rider in an mcu adaptation of the character or story bonus points for any additional character castings on a personal note i'd vote for pedro pascal with ian mcshane as mephisto now my knowledge of ghost rider oh, very small <laughs> um i i really like um uh pedro pascal is a great choice um, he's one of those mm-hmm. like yeah great great choice to bring into the Marvel universe as well. Um, I really yeah. like the idea of because uh, I think the thing is so um, Johnny Blaze, which is the Nicolas Cage one, is like one of the ones that's tied up in rights. So that's why when they brought him to brought Ghost Rider to Agents of Shield, they used um, uh, I can't remember but like a Hispanic um, character. I can't remember the the version of the character's name. Right. Um, but it was Gabriel Luna. Um, oh, and wow. um, I think Diego Luna would be a great choice for um, for Ghost Rider. Um, however, in the last day, it's um, been, well, when we're recording this, which I, I guess might spoil it, for, spoil the time frame for some people, but um, it's recently been reported that uh, Ghost Rider has apparently joined the MCU during in Blade. Um, and it would actually be uh, yeah. the Alejandra Jones version of the character, who is a female. There is a, a Marvel character called Alejandro Jones. Yeah. That's my name. <laughs> That's the <laughs> Hispanic version of my name. Wow. Well, I feel a bit, um, I feel like I've... I've. You, you should play the it. Wins it. The wind's out of my sails now, because all I wrote here was, I want to make a splash, so I'm casting Aquafina as this ghost rider but i mean if the new ghost rider is a girl then that's not that 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 exciting yeah. isn't it? it i feel like lisa when she shows up to the football team and she's like that's right a girl <laughs> wants to play football and they're like oh join our line there's plenty of girls already and she's like oh <laughs> that's what i feel like yeah oh yeah i'd like to see aquafina in the marvel universe um but yeah, yeah i'm sure there's like a bunch of like young up-and-comers Actually, um, uh, Stephanie Beatriz from um, Brooklyn Nine Nine, who's Rosa. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. She's my. She'd pick. be a great ghostwriter. Yeah. Good. Good. Good choice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hold up! What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 